Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Ray Ferraro and Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to the Pulp Hockey Podcast Show with Ray Ferraro. I'm Steve Mathis. Episode number two. Fantastic uh, debut last week, at least I think, anyways. And uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank you guys for subscribing on iTunes. Uh, You can get it on the Stitcher app as well, or you can just go to pulphockey.com. Ray Ferraro with me, 18 years in the NHL, uh, tons of goals. uh, Now TSN lead color analyst, uh, calling the games week week, week in and week out. It's terrific to have you on the show, Ray. Thank you. You betcha. Um, it's been um, it's kind of funny. I was thinking back a little bit. I've, I've been at TSN. Um, this is eight years already, and uh, I've been pretty lucky to work there. They're pretty awesome people, and um, uh, we're about ready to get, to get going with our coverage. My uh, first exhibition game is next Monday. It's crazy. I used to go to training camp, Steve, and we'd get like two weeks before we'd play any games, yeah. and it was like, Oh, it was torture, man. Like you, we were on the ice two or twice a day, right? Uh, probably four times a week. Um, now the players, in four days, literally, they're playing exhibition games. And while the, you know, the games, you know, some people might not like them, or obviously nobody likes exhibition games as much as regular season games, but. Mm-hmm. You know, you're four days into a training camp, and you're playing games. Some of those games, or for some of those players, those games are vitally important. And man, you've you've only played, you haven't played a game since last April, and you're supposed to be sharp. It's there's a lot of pressure on them. Well, yeah, it's. I guess that's why when you when you follow these guys on Twitter, or you follow some of the hockey media guys. These guys are not. I mean, back in your day, Ray, I guess you wouldn't skate all summer, or would you skate a little bit before camp? Um. For myself, as I got a little older, um, I usually started skating just into the first week of August. So that would give me about a month of uh, skating. And I think that's probably guys, the, the older guys probably start around there because now camps, of course, are opening up the middle of September. Um, younger guys, um, if you're just drafted, um, you know, they're, they go to a development camp as soon as they're drafted. Um, then they have a prospects tournament. Um, and then they have a rookie camp before the main camp. You know they're yeah. they're on the ice pretty much, pretty much all summer. Um, the the days of taking a couple of months off and just kind of hanging out are long, long gone in in every sport. Yeah, the uh, you follow these guys and, and you know they rent sheets of ice and it's the veterans, the rookies, everybody's getting together. Guys who just live in the city that play for other teams get together and. You know, they're yeah, and that's time, aside yeah. from, and that's, I mean, that's the stuff as it gets closer to camp. Mm-hmm. But what you don't see is like in July, um, you know, there are guys, lots of players are consistently at power skaters, they're at um, yeah. puck handling skills coaches, and, um, you know, they're, they're just looking for an edge. We just never did that for a couple of reasons. One, I, if you told me to go find a power skating coach or a <laughs> skills development guy, in 1988, I don't think I could have found one. Yeah, you're like, what? 
you know, like, I mean, nobody did it. And yeah. now, you know, they're, they're everywhere and there's some that are just excellent. And, and certainly the, the training is at a level like the, the gym stuff that the guys do is at a level that the, you know, that mm-hmm. we never approached. I mean, when I retired in 2002, we, you know, we were pretty much training the way the guys do now. I mean, yeah. there's advancements of course, right. in 13 years, but you know, we were training on the, same type of schedule, doing the same type of things as uh, the guys are now, and it was, man, it was a hell of a lot harder than than it was when we first started. And let me ask you this: so uh, obviously, when you're playing the game, you're a bit rusty at the start of the year. You're not quite into it, or whatever. What about calling the games? Like, will you? Will you? I mean, you don't have a practice game before or nothing, right? You just no. jump right into it, right? And, and and so do you notice, like, hey, I was a little off. I, I need some time. I need a week, game or two to get back into the swing of things? Oh, absolutely. There's, yeah. there, you know, you'll say something or I'll say something, and as I finish, I'll go, wow, I hope that made sense. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> like, sometimes you get you get stuck and you're like, yeah. I, I don't even know if I made sense when I finished there. <laughs> um, and you've got on the ice, so each team has to dress, I believe it's eight NHL regulars yeah. in every exhibition game. So that gives you the option of having 12 guys that you don't know. Right. And so, you've, first of all, you've got to do research and find out who these guys are and learn a little bit about them. Uh, so if something happens in the game, you can talk about them. Then you have to talk. See, I don't think the preseason is about... Um, you know, like I'm going in to do my first game's Toronto at Ottawa. Mm-hmm. The preseason is not about Dion Phaneuf or Bobby Ryan. The preseason's about the first step of the Leafs or the second step of the Leafs rebuild. And Ottawa, can they, um, you know, can they uh, continue on that second half they had last year? Who are the new players that are coming in and pushing for a spot? That's what the preseason's about. It's not about look, Dion Phaneuf's going to be on the blue line. Bobby Ryan's going to be a you know, a top two line forward for, for Ottawa. So there's, you know, I mean, there's only a little bit of a story there. The The real story is everything going around, you know, around yeah. both organizations. And that's, that's really what we'll, we'll focus on for sure. But yeah, the, the start of it is, you know, I mean, yeah. you're, you're kicking the ball all over the place and <laughs> it might not sound too different, yeah. but, but to me, right. I'm, you know, I'm very aware that that wasn't very smooth. One time I was doing some live announcing for a motocross race, and the guy said to me, hey, uh, this guy's from Idaho, um, you know, the, the very, very small motocross community up there. And I said something like, yeah, you know, he, you know he's going to – he doesn't have a lot of home tracks to race on. It, He's used to getting used to things. And as soon right. as I said that, I was like, what, what did I just say? He's yeah, used because to you getting... would never say that in regular never, conversation. Never. <laughs> and you just said it on the air, and you're like, I, I don't even really know what I said there. <laughs> right, right. Um, hey, I'm a little cheesed off with you, and we're already only episode two. Well, um, get used to it. Yeah. I, I sent you the intro to the show, and my guy, Swizzcore, and I, we went back and forth. We did this whole thing. I was very proud of our intro to this Paul Pocky podcast because it includes the Brass Bonanza. Did Absolutely. you ever listen? Did you ever listen? To the Brass Bonanza? To the beginning of this podcast I sent you. When I said, hey. Yeah, right. you sent it to me. I listened to it. Oh, but no comment about that's awesome, the Brass Bonanza? No, the Brass Bonanza was one of the most underrated songs. Ah, it's fantastic. Um, people, one year in Hartford, so the Brass Bonanza, they used to play it when we'd come on the ice or when we'd score a goal. Yeah. And um, uh, so one year in Hartford, I don't know, it was maybe my fourth or fifth year, 
they decided they wanted to freshen it up. So mm-hmm. they were they tried out in the preseason um, some different songs when they when we scored, and the fans hated it. <laughs> they wanted the brass bonanza back. I want to say one of them was like. Uh, uh, Celebration, uh, oh, cool, cool in the gang, cool in the gang, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was <laughs> at the time, I guess you know, that was kind of right, but you know, but so I, I remember that being one of the songs and and thinking, hey, that was kind of neat, it was a little right. different, and then just a deluge from the fans. And next uh, game, that was it. I, I it just was, Brass Bonanza was back, man. I thought you'd be happy with me for digging, putting in the Brass Bonanza. You are a the, former whale, the whale is dead, yeah, but the, the whalers fan club exists. Oh, I know, um, there is still a I think a lot of us guys that played there, especially in the, you know, the the mid '80s to the, you know, to the early '90s, um, we felt like that was the place we grew up. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a there's still pretty strong ties to, for all of us, we see each other and you know have a laugh about where really we just were cutting our teeth in the NHL. I uh, I'm allowed. I'm a Leaf fan, but I do allow myself to buy teams. Shirts and hats from uh, defunct teams. So I did buy a whaler hat like two years ago. And then when I flown into Hartford for some dirt bike races and at still right now to this day at the at the airport in the uh, souvenir shops, they sell whaler memorabilia still. Great logo. Yeah. And yeah. Um, that when the team moved to Carolina, it, um, you know, there was some political machinations that were going on around there and, um you know, they probably needed a new building. The building was only 15,000 seats, and um, the economy had really taken a hit there. And, but there were a lot of people um, pretty crushed that the Whalers left. And, yeah. you know, I, I can't speak about after I left. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I left in November of 90, but um, I loved it there. I loved living there. I liked the people there. Um, our, our teams were good. I, I really, really enjoyed it. I know the guys after didn't. You know, once the economy flipped a little bit and right. downtown was more of a ghost town than a downtown, the guys didn't like it very much. I read Howard Baldwin's book, uh, and uh, what a good man Howard is. Yeah, I was going to say. So, what's what's your interaction with him? He seemed like a, a good dude in the book. Howard is the most positive guy you're going to be around. He's always got a, uh, I, I would say, always got a twinkle mm-hmm. in his eye. You know, yeah, like yeah. there's always something going on. I mean, the the story of them. You know, they had twenty-five grand, and somehow they ended up with a franchise. Yeah, the story's great, right? <laughs> in, in, a, in a league that nobody knew what the heck was going on. Yeah. And some of the stories there are just amazing. And you know, I, I would say, um, you know, one one example of uh, of Howard getting things done was, you know, there was a I don't remember the year. I want to say it was '79. Uh, the roof collapsed in Hartford. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, and, um, they had played like 10 know, games, and then they collapsed. They were, yeah, barely unfortunately, been it was the night after a concert, and nobody got hurt, and which is astounding in its own right. But, you know, Howard was at the forefront of helping getting that rink rebuilt. And for two years or a year and a half, the fans in Hartford drove to Springfield yeah. where they played their games, where they played their home games. And somehow the, the franchise became stronger. Um, you know, there was a real deep connection between those fans and the players and the team. And Howard was it, you know, I mean, Howard was the facilitator. He just was one of those guys that just got things done. And, uh, I, I always was really, really entertained being around Howard and, um, and his wife, Karen, and they were, um, they're a real good couple. And, uh, Howard went on to make a bunch of movies and his, you know, and, yeah. 
done really well in the movie business, but uh, his book, actually, I can see it on my bookshelf right here, Slim and None, and uh, that was the chances of the World Hockey Association, except they pulled it off. Yeah, and then the stories of getting the NHL, the merger, they tried to merge, and basically all the owners were, were, were fibbing. You know, to the NHL, it kind of reminded me of semi-pro when the ABA was going to go in the NBA. Um, this the, the the owners getting together, basically tell, lying to the NHL to, uh, about their finances and the way what they were going to do when they were going to fold the whole time, the whole time well, they were going to fold. <laughs> they they were on the last strings of survival. Yeah, and you know, and then somehow, you know, Edmonton, Quebec, Hartford, yeah, and and Winnipeg got in, and. Uh, you know, I, th- that that was as great a stroke of genius as anything that that yeah. Howard was able, Howard and the owners there were able to pull off. But for for the NHL, the World Hockey Association had become just a a thorn in its side, and it yeah. you know they they wanted it to go away, and that was the way they had to do it. Right, uh, and we'll we'll talk about some more recent stuff here on the Pop Hockey Podcast Show with Ray Ferraro. But let in the mid '80s, like '85, '86, '86, '87. This is off the top of my head. Uh, the Hartford Whalers with you, Turgeon, Deneen, Leute, Babbage, uh, Ronnie Francis. Um, yep. You guys, uh, you upset Quebec one year. You were the fourth seed. They won. You upset mm-hmm. them, and that was huge. And then you lost in game seven. Claude Lemieux scored, but you were yep. a team on the rise. Um, right. Claude Lemieux of the Canadians. The next year you win the division. Everything's rolling, and you guys get upset by Quebec. What what happened in that uh, that upset? Like what? That kind of was a big deal. It was. I mean, we had, you know, we won the division, as you mentioned, and, and we had a good team. And we, you know, we had a lot of players that were just entering near the prime of their careers. And, you know, uh, Ulf Samuelson was, was just becoming a, you know, a, a standout mm-hmm. defenseman for us. Um, you know, we had Mike Leud in goal. And um, as, as the series went on against Quebec, um, they frustrated us, and okay. I remember that series that we just came unhinged. Um, <laughs> we we didn't the year before we were too young to really get frustrated. We were just happy to be there, and right. then all of a sudden we were through Quebec and into Game Seven against Montreal. Um, this year we were, or this next year we were expected to win. Uh, we didn't, and uh, or we were having a tough time, and yeah. we took a million penalties. Oh, did you? And, yeah, <laughs> and they just. They just beat us. They were, they were more disciplined. They were, more, you know, more experienced. They they played better than us, and so the the part the fallout of that was where we felt we were only a couple of players away from being really good. Right. Yeah. No, uh, good the team. team went the other way and made a couple of couple of trades that that changed things in a great in a great way. And um, you know, frankly, the Whalers were never the same after it. Was that when Ronnie went, or no? Was that before? Uh, that yeah. Ronnie was about step three of okay. that thing. of the of the dismantling for whatever yeah, reason. Yeah, but what, I mean, you know. Uh, oh, Leute left. Leute went to Le- Caps. Leute was right? traded yeah. to Washington. Yeah. Um, so we went with two very young goaltenders, and Peter Sidorkovitz and and uh, Kay Whitmore. Uh, you know, I mean, so we're asking these young guys to carry the mail, and that yeah. that was really difficult. Um, we lost Stu Gavin, who was a, uh, you know, just so important to our penalty killing and. Um, really? Our third line, and really? we lost him on waivers, and um, you know they wanted to bring in a younger guy, and you know it just it was Dave Tippett went to Washington, so we lost another one of our top penalty killers, and yeah. it was just like it, it was like a slow bleed out, mm-hmm. and, and then eventually the team didn't look anything like what it used to look like, and the last straw to that was was Ron and Ulf uh, 
um, getting traded to Pittsburgh. Eddie Johnson was our general manager. He made the trade to Pittsburgh, and then eventually Eddie went back to Pittsburgh. <laughs> he goes to Pittsburgh, right? And and so the uh, the joke was that you know Eddie told us he was going to build us build a Stanley Cup winner. He just didn't tell us it was in Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah, really, right? Um, growing up in Winnipeg, I always had this thing uh, like I just like look Howard Chuck is so good and nobody knows and. You know, Gretzky, Lemieux, and every, no one knows about this Dale Howardchuk guy. He's playing in Winnipeg, and he was amazing. I imagine, I mean, you, and you were playing with the dude, Ronnie Francis, the same way. Like, just a phenomenal player. I don't know of a more underrated player than Ron. Yeah, I do. Howardchuk. Well, m- maybe, you know. <laughs> I, I mean, I would say they were in the same boat. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I mean, uh, the crazy part is, you know, in, in speaking about Ron is that he's, in my opinion, incredibly underrated. Um, he's got more, I, I think he's got the second most assists of anybody in NHL history. Um, he's in the Hall of Fame. You know, it's, mm-hmm. he's, got, he's got a couple of Stanley Cups. It's, it's not like he didn't have success, or it's not like he didn't, um, uh, didn't get recognition. Yet I don't think people fully appreciated how Ronnie, how good he was. Right. And he very cerebral, very smart. He was never a great skater, like never super fast, a mm-hmm. little bit like Howard Chuck, but very smart, really clever with the puck. He could pass it, um, you know, through a, through a tight space. And the one thing, the, the one great skill, you know, elite passers have is when the puck can be delivered softly, they deliver it that way. When they have to fire it, they, they fire it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of guys just pass at the same speed all the time. And, Man, if you can get a, a soft pass that's easy to receive and you've got room once you get it to, to make a play, man, that's a bonus. And Ronnie was able to do that for, for his, his wingers. Do you remember when one of the things we had a good laugh at about my buddy who was a Whaler fan and he was the only one, Liu tripped and hit his head on the goalpost? Do you remember that? Yeah, he got a concussion, I think. <laughs> Like, how did you do that in his own net, going side to side? Yeah, I, I think I think if I'm remembering right, um, he obviously caught an edge, and right. in fact, there's lots of lots of crazy stuff that happens. Um, oh, you know that that can make a pro athlete in any sport look like a beer leaguer. Oh, you know, I mean, like I, I forget who the baseball player was a couple of weeks ago. He went back to the fence. He raced back there. He climbed the wall, and the ball fell 20 feet in front of him. <laughs> I didn't right? see that. Right, and, you're, right. and you're like, oh, man, that's a major leaguer. How did yeah. that happen? Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. or a, you know, a, a football player goes back, and here's a pass, and he's the only guy standing there, and it hits him right between the numbers and falls onto the ground. You're like, I bet you he's caught that ball 10,000 times in his life. Right, right. Like, how does it happen? You know, I'm, there was a, one night in Toronto – I was standing at the face-off, and it was actually Ronnie Francis that came out, and he said, you know, um, you know, he was supposed to replace me. Mm-hmm. And I was just standing there, and all of a sudden I lost my balance and fell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? I looked like a, a four-year-old yeah, just yeah. learning to skate. <laughs> right. And everybody laughed and clapped, and I was like, man, is that embarrassing. You yeah. scrape yourself up off the deck and <laughs> go back to right. the bench. Oh, no, funny. Um, yeah, yeah, the weather teams, though. Definitely, you guys a little underachieved. For you look at that roster, but like you said, the management. I'm surprised you say well, Stu I Gavin. You know what, Steve, I don't think we underachieved. I just I think we were on the cusp of being really good, and, and the team, um, yeah. they decided that we were further away than right. than we probably thought. But we were still relatively inexperienced. I mean, so when I got traded in '90, I was 26. 
You know, it's, yeah, it's not yeah. like we were getting That's right. You were still you know, we yeah. weren't getting old. We were just just getting into our prime. But you know, the the team was 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 dealt with in a in a different way. Well, growing up in Winnipeg, the Babbage for Newfeld trade, we were not happy with Ray Newfeld in Winnipeg. So my first roommate, a fantastic guy. But uh, that was a great trade for, for the <laughs> it was, No, it was. Yeah, and he's, uh, yeah nothing, nothing against Ray. But Dave Babbage was actually pretty, pretty really good. Um, yeah. Hey, I almost uh, – do you think Stamkos goes 19 with the Leafs or does he stick with 91? What do you think? Because I need I to know. Think I, need to I know. don't think there's any way that Steven Stamkos gets to free agency. I think this is a bit of a media creation lately. It really is. I mean, they need something to talk about. I'm with you, Ray. I'm kidding. Why? Why would he go to Toronto? He's, he's in well, Tampa. I mean, he would. He would go there because if you ever win anything in Toronto, you're on you're on the top of the mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason I don't think he'll get the free agency is at some point Steve Eiserman, the general manager in Tampa, is going to have to make a decision. Um, you know, maybe have a you know, in my opinion, anyway, have an in, internal deadline and say, look, if we can't get him signed by, uh, I'll theoretically throw out January 1st, then we're going to have to look at moving him. Right. Um, because you can't let Stamkos go for nothing. You just can't. But do you think there's, I mean, he's just going to re-sign in Tampa. Obviously, Eiserman said he hopes to have it done by the draft. He hopes to have it done by July 1st, and it's not getting done. But, well, I don't I mean, say it's obvious anymore, or else it no, would be done. I mean, but is there really a problem there, do you think? Like, between the center and the wing position, and he's unhappy? Like, I, I, stay in I mean, I don't, I don't know. Um, right. You know, but if the deal was such a slam dunk, it would be done. I mean, I can't imagine there's any scenario that, that Steve Eiserman and the Lightning say, hey, we'll be a better team without Steven Stamkos. Like, who would think that? Right. But if the deal was going to be done easily, it would already be done. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I, the position thing, I, I get why Stamkos likes to be in the middle of the ice. Why? Why do you think that? Oh, you get the puck more. You get to carry it more. You get, you know, you're in the middle of the game. Yes. Uh, the wing is different. You're, you know, you're a little bit of a passenger at times on the wing. And he, in his brain, is, is a centerman. Oh, see, I have my, in my notes to talk to you about, I'm like, center, wing, who cares? Yeah, well, it, it okay. does matter. Okay, all right. it, it does matter. I mean, for, for the center position, there's a couple of things. One, you're you have you have more responsibility defensively because mm-hmm. you're going to have to work yeah, down go. by the net a little more. But Stamkos is an excellent skater. He's strong. I don't see any reason why he can't do that. Um, the centerman is in motion a lot of the time, mm-hmm. so you're not you're not stopping and starting as much as you do on the wing. The wingers, you go back and you start from a standstill. So a lot of times you get the puck in the defensive zone and your only play or your first play is to move it to somebody who's moving. Who's moving, right. And now you've got to catch up. And so maybe he hates that. I know I would. Yeah, did I you... played very few games on the wing and I hated it. I was going to ask you, how, yeah, how much did you play on the wing? Not, not Very much. little, oh, maybe okay. 20 games in my career. Oh, hated shit, it. really? Okay, all right. Hated it. And uh, But the game's different now. Mm-hmm. Um you know, they, they've got Valtteri Filippola, um, Tyler Johnson, and Stamkos. Now, to me, it would be incredibly short-sighted to say, look, we don't want to put Filippola on the wing, so we're going to put Fran- Stamkos on the wing. Like, if, if you're asking me to choose between right. Filippola, who I think is a nice player, 
and Stamkos, well, I'm taking Stamkos every time. And yeah. so would everybody else. So if somebody's got to be in an uncomfortable spot, to me, it wouldn't be Stamkos. So do you think if in this, and just, again, you don't know, but in your, if we have a, if we have a percent pie in front of us, what percent is why Stamkos isn't re-signed in Tampa? What percent is money, and what percent would be position uh, debates going on right now in his mind? Oh, I, I mean, I, I, as far as it being money, I can't think that's very high. Okay, see, I was thinking it was money because maybe, I mean, what, the NHL, the cap, the player can only get paid a per, certain percentage of the total but, cap. But, I mean, how could Stamkos go and ask for more than Jonathan Tate? Well, I think that's, I mean, I don't know. It's like what Tampa. Like, I mean, how can you? You can go ask, but right. would, you, would you not say if you're Tampa, uh, won three Stanley Cups in five years over here, considered one of the, the best all-around, one of the two best all-around players in the NHL, um, I, I, don't, I don't see how we can pay you more. Oh, okay. See, I would. Like, I, that's, so yeah. if, if, they, if his agency wants to outstrip Tave's contract, mm-hmm. then there's a problem. Yeah, it's 10, 10 5. Him and Patrick Kane, same. same uh, 10.5 for right. eight years. Right. Now, if you want to make more than that, you're going to be playing, you're, they're going to have to make some decision on other players that you're not going to have, guys that you like. Because, you know, Alex Kalorn's not going to get cheaper as he goes along. They're going to have to re-sign him at some point. Yeah. They're going to have to re-sign Nikita Kucherov and, and Tyler Johnson at some point. Yeah, Hedman's coming up, too. Yeah. Uh, Hedman's got two years left. Okay. Well, what do you think Hedman's going to make? By the time he gets there, he might, you know, he might leapfrog P.K. Subban. You know, I mean, the, yeah. the you only got so much money under the cap, and if Stamkos wants to go and make $12 million, then he'll be able to get it. I mean, I'm sure there'll be some teams that would be able yeah. to, to reach into their pockets for that. And, but the, it's going to hurt who you're playing with. It's weird. Like in hockey, it's a hockey mentality a little bit. Uh, Crosby, you know, 8.7 could have got more, probably easily could have got more back in the, you know, when he signed his deal, no, no NHL player is ever at the max salary, but in basketball all day long. You know, it's just a hockey mentality, I guess. Well, also, yeah. I, I would say one of the other differences, Steve, is that in basketball, um, you can have a max salary um, because the cap is bigger for mm-hmm. the number of players they have. That's number one. And number two, one guy can make a greater impact in basketball than he can in hockey. True. And so, you know, in basketball, you know, I'm watching the finals. LeBron James was on the court, you know, I don't know, what, 42, 43 minutes a night? Out of 48? Yeah, something like that, and, right? And yeah. so a, a top-end NHL player is on the ice 22 minutes, unless he's a defenseman. So that's another 38 minutes somebody else has got to get the job done. Yeah. So you, you just can't blow your brains out on one contract. Um, I, I, I would get why Stamkos wants to push the envelope as far as he can. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would too. Who wouldn't? Yeah, yeah. But at, at some point, you have to decide, do you want to stay or do you not? And if you don't... Um, you know, then then your right. you know your your contract so in your issues p- become severe. So, in your opinion, the reason he's n- one the, the the majority reason why he's not resigned is this sort of internal battle of, hey guys, I'm not happy with where you put me in the playoffs. I'm not happy on the wing. What's my position going forward? Is that why, in your opinion, uh, September 15th or 16th, as we sit here, he hasn't signed? Um, I would say it's probably majority of it. Twenty, yeah, twenty yeah. percent. Money and term, right. maybe. 
of the contract. Yep. Uh, that's what I'm guessing, and more to do with you know with with the other stuff. What do you think happens? I just think he resigns there. But I, you you just opened up a whole world of. I just thought a wing and a center. Who cares? Like whatever. But you just opened up more. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm I'm less sure now. Um, I thought once the finals ended. Um, I didn't think they'd get it done by the draft because everything happened so quickly in the mm-hmm. finals and yeah. end of the draft and then to free agency. And I, I thought we'd get an extension announced in August. Right. And when it didn't happen, then, you know, I, I started to, I started to change my odds yeah. of, you know, 95% to 85%. Okay. So to 80%. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I still think there's a great chance he'll sign, but mm-hmm. it's obviously not a slam dunk. If he if he gets traded, do do they work out a backdoor extension deal before he gets traded? Is that stuff go on behind the scenes? Like, hey, uh, Steve, and is is it Mian? Is Don Mian his agent? Yeah, Don okay. Mian. So hey, me and Donnie Mian, we're we're looking at these four teams. Uh, does that kind of stuff go on where they're like, you know, we're like, because they're going to be like, hey, we want to work on an extension. No one's going to trade for him with you know three months left. Oh, I think somebody Oh, okay. Would. Oh, you do? Okay. Because yeah, I mean, he might what if, give up. What if you know? you're a pretty good team? Yep. You view him as a player that can push you into a, a different category of teams, a, a group of teams that maybe could win, um, and you've got some cap room going forward. You have to give that, up That's some. the team that's going to yeah. acquire him. It's not going to be a bottom feeder. You have to give up so much still, though, right? I don't know. I guess, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, and, yeah. I mean, look, Steve Eiserman, uh, maybe a little bit different, but remember he got shoved into the corner with Marty St. Louis. Yeah, yeah. And he came out with a couple of first-round picks and Ryan and, Callahan. And St. Louis said, I'm only going to the Rangers. <laughs> yeah, he had, no, he had no option. Right. So I just, I think, I think the thing to, that I have in, you know, in, in my thought process is that I can't imagine any scenario where Tampa lets him get to July 1st. Yeah. I, that just that just makes no sense to me. So do I? I don't cancel my order for the Stamkos Leafs jersey in after July first. I wouldn't cancel it. Okay, all right. I'll tell them to put mean, it on hold. Right. If you're if you're ordering it, you're you're goofy enough to order it. So. <laughs> um, I don't see how we could sign with the Leafs. Why would you want to sign there? It's going to be multi years before they're. Maybe well, it's going to be multi years, but he changes a little bit of the, yeah, he the does, pattern, yeah. doesn't he? Right, yeah, he does. He does. Uh, Paul Pocky show with Ray Ferraro uh, right now. Uh, hey, if you want to support the show, go to paulpocky.com. Click on the Amazon banner that's on there if you're going to order from Amazon. And uh, please uh, support the show. We get a little small chunk of that. And also to two under, number two, undr.com and Project Bags. Use the code Ferraro20 to. Uh, Save on two under uh, and project, and uh, we thank those guys for uh, coming on board with us. If you had to pick Ray between two under or project, which line would you would you have to pick if you're on a desert island? Either a bags or the underwear. No, the underwear. At least you know. Yeah, but I, I travel a lot. I really could use the bag. Yeah, but I mean, you, you just said I'm stuck on an island. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm already there. That's a good point, Ray. That's why you're. That's why you're the brains behind this podcast. You know, like I, I need something to wear, wouldn't I? You're not going anywhere. Why do you need a bag? Yeah, you're not packing. Right. Uh, so thanks, thanks to Two Under and Project, and uh, and again, thanks to you guys for listening. Um, I, I think we got good feedback from our first one, Ray. So I appreciate you doing this with us, and uh, yeah, it's going, it's going well. So, um, and if I ask a dumb question, please let me know. I will. All you right. know I will. Well, the Wendell Hall of Fame last week, you. Yeah. Shut me down on that.
absolutely. Uh, <laughs> my whole argument, though, I realized after doing it, was my argument didn't work out because I was saying Wendell should be in the Hall of Fame and he had the same points per game as you. And I wasn't saying Ray Ferraro needs to be in the Hall of Fame, so I was a real asshole. Like, I look yeah, like but a, I, and I was very sure that I don't belong in the Hall of Fame. So. <laughs> right, right. Um, another thing I want to touch on you, uh, Austin Matthews, the consensus number one pick in the 2016 draft. This is kind of weird and unique, and I want to get your take on it. He is playing over in Switzerland this year in his draft year. Forgo uh, the CHL and, and the, and the uni- college university route in the U.S. He's going to Switzerland. Mark Crawford's his coach, apparently – He's getting 400k a year, and you know that's that's all tax free and everything else. This is is this a one time deal, Ray? Is this going to happen more? What's your thoughts on this? Because it kind of blew me away. Uh, I I think this is I won't call it a one off because it you know who knows right. now that the the path has been paved, maybe somebody else will try it too. But mm-hmm. um, I think this is an absolute rarity. The, there's got to be um, a convergence of all these different circumstances. So Austin Matthews was two days too young to be in this year's draft. Mm-hmm. So um, otherwise he would have been one of the top two or three picks of, of this draft. He's a, a phenomenal player, big, he's about 215 pounds, six, two, uh, marvelous skill. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as college, I don't think he's, I'm almost certain he hadn't completed his high school yet. Oh, pretty, okay. pretty tough to go to college without yeah. that. Yeah. So that left the CHL, and um, which is the Canadian Hockey League. And um, so he was the team that has his junior rights or the Everett Silvertips. And um, he obviously felt one year a junior or one year of pro hockey in Switzerland. He waited out and decided to go over there. Now, I don't know what the downside is for him. Quite frankly, I don't know what the upside is either. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. It, it, only because he's going over there, he's going to play a practice-heavy schedule, which he's already been on with the U.S. National Development Team program in, in Ann Arbor, Michigan, um, which is now, I believe, moving to Plymouth, Michigan. Um, but um, my brother-in-law was one of the guys that coached him, Don Granado, and you know he talks about Austin's willingness to learn and his um, you know, his, his work ethic, and then which you hear from a lot of players, but then you mix it with this incredible skill. Mm-hmm. And so, but that program plays on weekends. It's kind of a college program. They mm-hmm. practice during the week and play on weekends. Well, that's what European pro hockey is. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, they might play the odd Wednesday game, but they're pretty heavy on weekend scheduling. So as far as adapting to the schedule he's going to have next year, because he's going to be in the NHL, I don't see how this is going to help him too much. He will be playing against older, stronger guys, but he'll be playing on a really big rink. That being said, I don't think there's any downside to it for him so, because yeah. he's going to play. There's going to be some players that might think about it and they're not going to have the option to go there, or if they do, they're, they're not going to be accomplished enough to, to improve enough. Why did they do this? They being uh, Austin and uh, like, why not Everett? What, what was it? Money? Was it playing time? What? what why well, would they do this? Not going to be playing time. I mean, yeah. you know, the kid, the kid's phenomenal. He'd be on the oh. ice the whole time. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm sure 400 grand <laughs> came into it. Probably doesn't, you know, compare to the whatever they make a week now in the yeah. in the Canadian Hockey League, 100 bucks a week or something. Yeah, yeah. 
you know, so that probably had something to do with it. Maybe, maybe he wasn't enthused about the 72 games that they play. Yeah, but, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. He hasn't really said much, mm-hmm. but um, he's, he's, you know, the, the place he's going in Switzerland is a very good, very good team. Uh, you know, Mark is certainly a long-seasoned NHL Stanley Cup winning coach, so he's, he's going there to play with somebody that, or play for somebody rather, that knows what the league is about um, and can help in that regard as he, yeah. as he develops to get himself, uh, you know, trying to get a flying start into next year. It almost makes me think like, and I, and again, I, I know nothing about this situation. It almost makes me think, like you said, the family needs financial help or something. You no, know? they don't. Okay. Yeah. Because they're a real close family. Because um, um, he's going to make millions in, you know, another year or sure. what, you know, so what, you know, like why the one year of, well, so, yeah. so why go play and bus around, uh, bus around Canada for a hundred bucks a week, yeah. or you can go to Europe live in switzerland does this uh, would this would this scare you away if you're a gm at all or no No, not at all okay not at all you're like yeah whatever like his no, game not at all. Yeah, his game's not going to suffer i mean it's less gritty it's bigger rinks like you said it's yeah, there, you there's, there's i don't see the downside to it i just don't know that there's a great upside to it either mm-hmm. i don't know man i i could see other guys doing this if it, if it works out because yeah. well you got to get the other team to yeah you, you got to get a team to be interested <laughs> right yeah get, yeah you got to get a team to want to use one of their import spots because you don't have an unlimited supply of imports right. that you can bring into a team. Uh, so your imports generally are difference makers for mm-hmm. you. And there's not many difference makers like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be interesting to see if anybody, like you said, you don't think anybody will do this. Or you, well, you no, know, and the other thing like, is, yeah. look, he's, he, very rarely is a team going to be interested in a 17-year-old. Mm-hmm. You know, Austin Matthews is 18. Right, yeah, like you said, three days shy, right. Right, yeah. so he's, you know, he's already another year older. He could be playing in the NHL, and, you know, had, had he been born a couple of days earlier, he would be. So, I, you know, as opposed to taking a player that's a year short of being in the NHL. Switzerland is I, I just, I just don't, think there's, I don't think there's a lot of candidates for this. Switzerland is a nice country. It's a very nice country. Beautiful place. Lots of chocolate, too. Hope he doesn't, uh, you know. Um, yeah, he looks pretty fit. I yeah. don't think that's an issue for him. Um, so you do? I mean, again, it's early, but this kid goes number one in your eyes uh, right now. Um, I'm, I'm not. I haven't heard a whole bunch of of guys uh, saying, um, "Oh, look, you got you got to look, got to check this guy out," or you've yeah. got to, you know, here's another candidate. Um, right, right. I know there's some very very good players. I also know there's lots of people that think if. Austin Matthews was in the draft this year. He would have gone number two. Really? Huh? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So he's. Um, right. I mean, he's he's not just. He's not just a run of the mill player. He's um, he's an exceptional player, um, with, kind of extraordinary skill. In my eyes, if this works and he comes back and he has a great career and no one remembers this one year in Switzerland under Crawford, in my eyes, the next consensus number one dude will do the same thing. I really think so because of the four hundred grand, the relaxed schedule. I don't want to ride these buses and, you know, fifty dollars a week. But it's not yeah. just a number one pick; it's a it's an exceptional number one pick. Well, aren't they, aren't they all exceptional, right? No, no, okay, absolutely not. I mean, you can you can go back and check I out some number one picks and wait. You know, I'm thinking of uh, Patrick Seffen, right? No, was he number one? Yeah, Patrick was number one for us in Atlanta, and you know, and was put oh, into right. a. It was Atlanta too. Yeah, when you real. Were real tough spot. I mean, we were no good. <laughs> and, um, you know, he was going to be, um, 
you know, he was going to yeah. have to carry a, um, you know, have to carry an enormous part of the mail there. And, yeah. you know, I mean, that, that's just, you know, I mean, that, that was, that's a brutal spot. To <laughs> right, be. I mean, right. you can, you can go back though. And of guys that, you know, um, you know, would they do it for, for Nathan McKinnon or Neil Yakupov yeah, or, or Kane or, or yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, there's there's some pretty incredible players that are the number one pick in the draft, but a lot of circumstances, as we outlined earlier, have to have to fit mm-hmm. for it, for it to be something yeah. that you take, you know, something that can be taken seriously. And again, it's September 16th, but let's talk about who's going to be in the running for Austin Matthews. Uh, I looked at the list. Arizona and the Hurricanes, to me, are. And we talked about the Leafs, and you think they're going to be pretty good, and I do too. I think they're going to be better well, than people I, think. But let's let's clarify pretty good. I think they're okay. Yeah, I, I I think they're going to be much better than than people think. They have no shot at the number one pick. Uh, I don't I don't see so. Yeah. So Hurricanes and Arizona, Jersey, Buffalo, Philly. Um. I, I could see Jersey being in that mix. Oh, okay. I could see Arizona being there. Um, I think Buffalo will take a a decent leap. Um, I don't think Edmonton will be back in there. No, right? No. Um, Hurricanes? Carolina, I would say so. You what? Know, so you're, All right. You know, but again, next year, don't, don't forget, uh, the draft rules change again. Mm-hmm. And there's more teams eligible in the lottery. So... With with better odds, so there is a chance that somebody could come maybe from left field a little bit. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I, yeah, I guess I should mean who who has the best odds at the lottery. You know, um, Carolina right now, uh, Eric Stahl is going to be up. He hasn't signed Cam Ward. I don't think goes back at all. Right, Cam Ward won't. No, this no is, chance. Yeah, this is probably his last year there. Um, and Jersey, I look at Jersey's roster, and honestly, I don't even know that coach that. Shiro hired. I think oh, he was John in, Hines. Was he yeah, in the John, NHL? John is coaching the American League the last couple of years, and was at the National Development Program for the U.S. And okay, um, you know, so he's a young guy. Um, you know, for, certainly his first NHL job. Uh, New Jersey is, you know, I mean, this is this is ground floor for them. Right, right. You, you know, so that's why I, I mean, they've got some decent talent. They've got some. Pretty good prospects, but not enough of both. And so that's why they're in that conversation. I think I like Schneider uh, as a guy that could keep them out of that bottom spot. You know, oh, he's because, a terrific goal. Yeah, I, I mean, think we, he's great. We watched him in Vancouver here where I live for, um, you know, for the first part of his career. He's a, he's a really good kid, you know, really, really upbeat and positive. He doesn't, he doesn't get frustrated outwardly very mm-hmm. often. And so... Um, uh, and you marry that with some, you know, with some really, really technical uh, skills that he has. I, I think he's an excellent young goaltender. At one point, we'll maybe cover how Mike Gillis <laughs> didn't end up with Schneider or Luongo as the goalie out there. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was quite a year and a half here. Oh, uh, yeah. How do you blow both of that, both of those guys? Oh, well, it is possible. Right. Um, yeah, the Canes, uh, yeah, they're going to be tough, in a tough spot, I think. Um, and um, Arizona, of course, Austin Matthews, born in Arizona. So they... I mean, that would be, that would be fantastic for, yeah. for the Coyotes. Um, 
if they, we just have to wait and see. I mean, it's you know, there's so much that goes in between now and then. True, true. Uh, new rule for NHL overtime this year. I want to get your take on it. Uh, obviously, we went four and four for five minutes, and then then a shootout. And I don't. I really liked the shootout when it first came in, Ray, but now I don't. I thought at first, yeah, awesome, thinking outside the box, changing it up, switching it up. I thought it was great as a fan. Now I'm not so sure. Uh, the rule this year from four on four is now three on three for five minutes, and then the shootout. I like. I wish they would have went all the way. I, I think I blame it on you players, and I count you as a player, because uh, the Players Association head, Donald Fear, said they did not want to add the extra minutes. Uh, that the AHL was going to seven minutes, right? Then a yeah, shootout. I, yeah, I, I find it. I mean, I, I didn't like the argument that they used. Um, that the you know they players used. They, yeah, yeah that they, you know, they, they didn't want the couple extra minutes of overtime um, because of the wear and tear on the players yet. Yeah, come on. Yet they're all in on this World Cup of Hockey, which is, <laughs> you know, <laughs> seven games against the best players in the world. And, oh, wait a minute, there's a big revenue bucket at the end of it. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, you know. I mean, it's pretty easy to draw <laughs> to draw the conclusion. Right. I one, mean, there's no revenue, which is three on three, and one there is revenue, which is the World Cup tournament. <laughs> Gee, which one are they interested in? I've watched three on three. Yep. And and like a lot of things, um, you know, a lot of people criticize stuff they haven't seen yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched it a lot because my son was in the American League, and I'm telling you, it is it is awesome. Okay. It's basically road hockey. Right. Because there's only three guys on the ice. The puck gets dropped. I'd say there's 15 or 20 seconds of kind of, uh, you know, yeah, sorting it out. gentle yes. play, sort it out. Right. Somebody rushes in the zone, there's a shot. A puck bounces over somebody's stick. There's a two-on-one immediately because you only got three guys. Right. They miss. Now it's a breakaway the other way. And everybody's chasing back down the ice. Say the guy misses. Now it's a three-on-two going back the other way. Like it's yeah. it's awesome. The only time the play ever dies is if the goalie catches the puck, or if there's a penalty. And if there's a penalty, then they go to four on three. But I, I love it. I, I think I'm with you, Steve. And you know the the way that you mentioned um, about the shootouts. I liked them when they came in. Mm-hmm. Um, I've kind of got shootout fatigue. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't. But I don't hate it. I just I like the three on three better, and I've seen it. I would have liked the seven minutes though. Because, yeah, the four-on-four four is exciting. Uh, and you say three-on-three right. is even better. You know what I mean? Uh, I would have liked the seven minutes. Let's try to avoid the shootout at all costs, you know? But, well, I, yeah. I would say, I, I mean, they, you know, they obviously um, looked at the stats from the American League, but there will be a significant drop in shootouts. I'll be shocked if there isn't. Well, I, I don't have it in front of me. I probably should have, as a good podcast host, had it in front of me. But I think probably. it was 70% of the games ended before shootout as opposed to – Fifty, like it, it is a significant difference. Yeah, I, I would say that's probably in the ballpark. Yeah, I think it was that's, like that. that's a lot. Yeah, you know uh, that's a lot. Right. Um, would you? What do you? Okay, so you're you're standing behind the bench. Two D and a forward. No. Oh. Two forwards and a D. Oh, okay. All right. Just I'm trying to win. You're trying to. Yeah, you're trying to have skill out there. Yeah, I mean, I you you have two right. defensemen out there. You're defending mm-hmm. just by nature. I mean, unless you have a team. You know, I mean, say say you had a team with um, Eric Carlson and PK Subban on it. Well, I'd put them all together. Yeah. But you don't. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I, I would, I would say in almost, almost all circumstances, I would, I would probably have 
two forwards. Now, right. maybe there's a face-off in my zone. I'd have two defensemen out there until we cleared the zone. Well, I was thinking, what if you get kicked out of the face-off, though? Then you got Dion Phaneuf or someone rolling into. Yeah, take you're going to lose the draw. <laughs> yeah, I guess right. Yeah, you're... <laughs> you know, like that's, But and if you, you know, the best faceoff men win 58 percent or 59 percent. So say you've got two forwards out there and you lose the draw. Now you got one defenseman. Yeah. Now you got yeah, a problem. Yeah, you're right. It's six on one, half dozen on the other, right? Yeah. yeah. I'd I'd, I'd want to clear the zone, and then as they clear the zone, one D would come to the bench, and I'd have a forward join. So it's going to be good. You're 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 excited. This is an, this is a I, good I really change. am. Yeah. I think yeah. I think it's the right thing, and I'm glad the league uh, is going to do it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, the shootout thing. I, didn't you feel like some coaches were playing for the shootout? Oh yeah, they'll they'll always play to protect the point. Yeah. And if you're if you're a team that's on the negative side of the skill, you know you'll try and dumb the game down in overtime to get to a breakaway contest. Right. And hope, hope your goalie makes two saves and yeah. and and you score a goal. You would have been good in the shootout, Ray. Oh, I would have loved it. You would have been good. Would have loved it. I only had two penalty shots in my career. Um, one was at the World Championships um, in the semifinals, and, and I scored. And the other was in my last year in Atlanta. Uh, I had one against uh, Arthur Zerbe. And so I get pulled down on a breakaway. Uh-huh. Arthur. Donald Audette <laughs> comes up to me as I'm skating back to center. They've signaled penalty shot. And mm-hmm. I think he's going to tell me something about Urbe. Right. And he comes up and he goes, how the hell did you get a breakaway? Urbe <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the bucket and his, and his oh, mask. Oh, has a big bucket on him. <laughs> Jesus. Um, one of the things, hey, on a completely aside thing before we wrap this up, Pulp Hockey Show with Ray Ferraro, uh, two under project uh, bags as well on board with us. One of the things I was going to ask you, I, I brought up the 87 Canada Cup last week because I watched it on DVD a few months ago. You would have been in the running for that team. No. No. No, I mean, because it's just Canada. Man. Yeah, but a, Brent Sutter a, was on it. Brent Sutter was uh, on. It. Brent Sutter was a good player. He well, could check. He could. He was at, and he was at the peak of his career then. Well, right, you were forty Not goals. Even, I, you were forty I was goals. Where I should have been on my couch. You didn't even go to the camp. No. Wendell got went to the camp. Yeah, that's right. I don't and know. He right. still shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, Wendell. Got, I, at least you made the camp. I would have thought Wendell, Wendell was a hell of a player. Oh, yeah, I know this. One day we should have him on with us. Oh, he'll come on. He's funny, funny guy. Um, oh, you've talked to him? Sure. Oh. You see him hit a golf ball. That must be awesome. Oh, yeah, is there anything like a lot his... of power. He's got a bad back, but he hits, right. his golf, hits the golf ball hard. Imagine his, his golf shot must be like his wrist shot. Yeah, it's, uh, there's not much of a backswing, <laughs> but, but that thing moves. That thing moves. Um, so, okay, yeah, looking forward to uh, to the overtime then. I'm, I'm pumped that you think it's good because uh, I've never seen it. I've never watched any AHL yeah, games I, or anything. I, so. I will be shocked if you don't like it, yeah. to be honest with you. It's, um, it's a really, um, really exciting um, part to the mm-hmm. game. Uh, I'm, I'm just – I'm a fan. Right. Um, and, and as long as we get less shootouts, which you also think yeah. we will get. I, I, don't, I don't see how we could possibly end up with the same. Uh, camp's opening up real soon, like we said. Uh, your son, Landon Ferraro, he's kind of penciled in, depending on what you look at, he's penciled in to kind of start with the Red Wings. Um, what do you think? Did you, do you sit him down and give him a big speech? No, we're long past that. <laughs> you don't, you don't he's, give... a, he's a 24-year-old young man, you know. and You don't say, hey, he, listen. He, I don't, if I have to tell him, you know, what, you know, about his business now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
you know, that means he's not been paying attention for four years. And, and yeah. he has, and he knows what's in front of him, and mm-hmm. he knows there's a, you know, a good opportunity for him. He's just got to have a good camp. And yeah. they've got, Detroit's got a lot of players. And so um, I hope he has a good camp. I'm, um, I'm nervous for him and, and hope he plays real well like he did at the end of last year when he played yeah. in the playoffs. And if he does that, I think he'll be fine. What's his greatest strength? Oh, his speed. He's so just like pops. <laughs> he, no, he's extremely fast, and he can really shoot the puck. Last year, he had uh, twenty-seven goals in the American League, and mm-hmm. then he got called up. He probably would have finished with thirty. And um, you know, he's he's kind of a he's a smart, yeah, gritty. He, he's a good player. Yeah. Um, I hope it's good enough. What do you think he needs to work on? Uh, right now, opportunity. Yeah. Just kind you know, of, you just you just got to punch through the door eventually, right. and you know I don't know that there's anything left for him to to prove in the American League, but he's got to play well enough at camp that the team thinks it's a good idea that he's there. Mm-hmm. One of the things, like you said, he's he's speed and he's got a good shot and stuff, but he's probably gonna looking at the the depth charts, he's probably gonna start third or fourth line, right? So oh, you, yeah, so, well, you're trying when you're when you're a young guy, you're trying to be one of the thirteen or fourteen forwards, right? And then you go from however there. you can do it, right? However, yeah, doesn't yeah. matter where, right? Um, so he's got to he's got to get gritty. He's got to be one of those guys. Uh, the only yeah, thing he I, is he's a penalty killer. He's fast. Yeah. He's block shots. He can skate, and he's got he's got a scoring shot. So um, you know he's done it at the American League level. Now the the next progression is that hopefully he um, he gets a chance, and and if the chance arises, that he takes it and and is able to stay in the NHL. The uh, the only thing I, I I mean you have a better handle on this than I do, but I remember the the Wings came played the Leafs cup you know this year before the Leafs death spiral, um, so it would have been before Christmas, and all the you know you look at all the guys that were out and uh, you know a whole bunch of dudes coached by Babcock handed it to them that I'd never really heard of, and so I wonder if there's going to be dudes who make Detroit that you know you never really hear of. No, but I'll tell you the guy that maybe you haven't heard of mm-hmm. is. Um is an extremely highly touted coach. Uh, Jeff Blaschel is yep. coached in Grand Rapids the last three years. He is, um, if you listen to him talk, he sounds a lot like Babcock. He's yeah. different uh, in certain ways, but he's uh, demanding. He holds people accountable. Um, I would say if you were a guy that, um, you know, I mean, if, if you were a guy that's played for him for three years, like, you know, like my son yep, or yep. like a couple of those other guys, it can't hurt. Yeah. It doesn't mean, you know, you're not going to see contracts determine a lot of the, a lot of the roster anyway, but there mm-hmm. is, if you look at it from two and a half years ago, there's a pile of players that played in Grand Rapids for Jeff Blaschel that are already on the team. Yeah. yeah. Riley Sheehan, Luke Lendenning, Thomas Yurko, Thomas Tatar, uh, Gus Nyquist, Brendan Smith, um, Right. That's just off the top of my head. Um, you know, I mean, there's there's a uh, uh, Joachim Anderson. There's, yeah. there's a. Yeah, I like, mean, that's half the team. Yeah, that Jerko. You know, and Goal. So they're they're very familiar with Jeff. Jeff's familiar with them. Um, and now they're going to just try and figure out a way to, you know, to put their best twenty three guys on the roster, and then they'll go from there. Yeah, that Jerko guy. I again, I've never really heard of him besides looking at stats. And oh, Thomas, Thomas Yurko is going to—I think oh, he's going to be a good player. He, yeah. he struggled a bit last year, um, but he's big. He can—he um, can skate. Um, he, he could score. He's pretty nifty. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you know, he's like a lot of young guys. He's 
yeah. looking to get a foothold. Are you calling any Detroit games this year? Uh, yeah, I've got one October 2nd, which is the second to last exhibition game. Okay. And then... Um, oh, I can't wait to I, listen to you. Just go I got on. October 30th. Um, yeah, I'm just looking at my schedule and uh, just November 6th. So. Rip into Landon. Just be like, I don't know what he was thinking there. That's a no, terrible that, play. That won't happen. <laughs> I, uh, I, I do... This, this, I'll, I'll be honest with you. This is probably the most I've talked on the air about him. And... Um, I, I'm not going to do it a lot. Yeah, uh, I, I know people like me or and ask me a lot about it, mm-hmm. but I, I don't. I I don't think people understand that, or or maybe they don't take the time to understand that I'm not going to publicly evaluate my son. Yeah, yeah. You know, if he makes a mistake in the game and it's part of the play, I got to point it out, same as everybody else. Yeah, but. You know, I'm not going to sit there and wave pom poms if he scores, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to rake him over the coals if he doesn't get a puck out of the zone either. No, well, that's why you're one of the best uh, in the game. Is is this this kind of reasoning, right? Um, all right. Well, I don't want to you know, you don't hang up on me, so I'll wrap this thing up with a couple of points. Uh, one thing I want to okay. say: um, we always talk about how hockey players are, or we do anyway, in the media and the hockey side about how hockey players are pretty good guys and they do good things. Mm-hmm. Well, today, um, P.K. Subban announced uh, a $10 million donation over the next seven years that he's going to make to uh, a hospital in Montreal. I saw that. And I think yeah. it should be noted because it's, uh, um, you know, I don't know P.K. Yeah. particularly well, just to say hi, but I think it's a, an extraordinary uh, piece of generosity by P.K. and, and his family. I agree. It's phenomenal. And he, I saw that. You see this skits that, you know, the Montreal Canadiens have that, that show. Uh, it's like a reality, you know, it's, it's the, um, mm-hmm. you know, like a, a, one of those shows. Yeah, they call, I think yeah. they call it, uh, I forget what they call it, but it's, it's basically yeah. a, a diary of the Canadians. Right. And season. you watch it and you, again, I don't know PK at all. You watch it and you, and you can't help but think this dude is awesome. Like, I, you know, he's just a, seems like a nice, cool guy. He's so. got crazy energy. He is, he's outgoing. Mm-hmm. He's, and and you know when people are like that, sometimes they rub others the wrong way. Yeah, I, I you know they just do. But um, whether people are a fan of PK Subans or not, um, he just donated over a million dollars a year to yeah. uh, to a hospital, and I I think it should be noted as a extremely generous and kind thing to do. Couple of more notes: Simone Gagne uh, retired. Um, you know, kind of been injured a lot the last little bit. I think he played for the Bruins last year. I remember him in the uh, in the Olympics. Uh, he mm-hmm. did a great job there, but uh, nice career. Had a nice career. Um, was a good player, uh, uh, an impactful player early in his career, and then uh, you know he had a real bad concussion, and that um, that really slowed him down, and wasn't quite the same. He's actually had made a comeback last year and um, was playing quite well for Boston. You know, had kind of banged the rust off and. And unfortunately, his father got ill and uh, passed away, and so he went home to be with the family, and then just retired this summer. So, um, you mm-hmm. know, that's that's uh, the end of Simone Gagne's hockey career, but uh, a nice career, and yep. um, and by all accounts, a good guy too. When you retired, you got traded to St. Louis, I think, at yeah. the deadline. Did you know it was it? When did you oh, know? Yeah. Oh, okay. So you were. Yeah. You were like, cool, I'm done after this run with St. Louis? You just Yeah, knew? I knew before the season started it was oh, going to okay. be my last year. Yep. And, um, you know, so when we lost the last game in the playoffs, game mm-hmm. five in Detroit, I was taking my gear off knowing that was the last time. And it was, oh, okay. was kind of sad. Right. And, right. Um, you know, lots of stuff goes through your head, but it was time. 
Wow. Well, okay, so yeah. So you knew already. I was wondering about that. Yeah. How, how, how a guy knows that? You know, you just uh, well, your your legs don't get you to where you need to go yeah. to. Um, you know where out. you need to be, right. but you just can't get there. Yeah. And and then you see your role change to a point where you're like, you know what? The message is getting pretty clear. Mm-hmm. And the contract's up, I guess, too, right? And you're like, hey, well, yeah, yeah, but uh, you know, had I been playing at a higher level, I wouldn't have retired. Good point. Right. The yeah. the, the contract was is almost irrelevant at that time because. You know, if you're still effective, there's a place for you. But yeah. I wasn't going to be as effective as I needed to be anymore. Could you have hung on? Was somebody interested? Yeah, like, I think yeah. I could have. I And yeah. the other thing, Steve, is I didn't want to do the training in the summer anymore. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I had hurt my knee again late in the year. And uh, I was like, man, I just don't want to do the rehab. I don't want to put in the three and a half hours or four hours a day that I was going to have to to both mm-hmm. work out and rehab. And... um and you know, so my my inspiration had kind of flickered out. Right. And it and you know, look, I played for eighteen years and I'm so lucky that I was able to leave on my own terms. But it was just I just knew it. Yeah. It was just time and I miss it and I missed it terribly when I retired. Mm-hmm. But um I don't anymore, man. I'm too old and it's <laughs> um it's uh the, it was a great gig. Put yeah. it this way I I dreamed of being a player, and I got to live my dream, so yeah. it wouldn't be that bad. And for 18 years, like, just think of that. Yeah. Like, you know, guys don't get to do that. Um, it's the same thing with these motocross riders that I deal with, too. They they get to a point where they don't want to do the work. They love the racing. It's still fun that the race and all that, but the work to get ready to go racing that they have to put their bodies through, they don't want to do it. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I would love to have kept playing the games, but I, I'm yeah. like, geez, i got to train to stay in shape and yeah. to – and I'm going to get rattled around again. I just don't have it anymore. You know, it's time. Uh, last thing before we wrap up here on the Pulp Hockey Show with Ray Ferraro. Uh, your old team, the Islanders, I don't know if you saw it. It's out there on the Internet. They released their third jerseys. Yeah, underwhelming for me. What, what are they doing? I guess the, 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 the Brooklyn thing maybe. The, cause oh, the, sure, for sure. Right, because the, got... the Nets are black and gray or black and white. Yeah, the, the you know, I mean, they're um, – they're certainly, you know, connecting to the Brooklyn colors. Uh-huh. Um, they're just underwhelming, kind of like vanilla to me. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I, I don't know what I was hoping they were going to be. I guess I wasn't hoping anything, but yeah. you know, what, or what I thought they might be. But when I saw them, I went, eh. I guess that's yeah. you know, like there, there wasn't anything. Are you are you surprised they kept the Islander name? I'm glad they did. No, I'm but, not. Okay, and, and I think it was a good move. Right. Are you going to that rink at all? You gonna get a chance to go? I want to. See. I don't have any games scheduled there this year. Maybe yeah. if um, you know, maybe if something works out with NBC in a playoff game somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but but no, I won't get there this year. I'm gonna be interested. I don't think. I'm I mean, be, I, yeah. Who knows, right? Maybe Landon's there or something, and you have a weekend off or whatever. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I I don't I don't necessarily, um, you know, it's not on my schedule, but I I don't know that. I, I don't know what to expect from it. I mean, I'd like to go just to see it. Right. That's, you, know, yeah. you know, just to see the rink and, and see, then, you know, yeah. is it good, bad, or otherwise? And well, I, yeah. I guess, it, you know, it might be the 2016 season before I see it. I'm such a hockey nerd, Ray, that I don't even, you know, I like the Maple Leafs and whatever. But I knew the Coliseum was closing down. I knew they were moving to Brooklyn. So last year, two years ago, not this past season, the, the season before, wife and I took a trip to New York, which we normally do. We love it. We go to Ranger games or, you know, all the things to do in New York. We took, you know, two subways and it was snowing. I went out to the Long Island. I went out to Long Island. It was a Saturday night game between the Habs and the Islanders. 
-hmm. said, I have to see this Coliseum before it goes away because of all the history and everything else. And uh, so, yeah, went to the went to the went to the. Yeah, it's an old barn. It was well past its best on date, but man, it was uh, it was a good place to play. The fans were close, and you know, it was um, everybody seemed to hang on top of you. So it was we we loved we loved playing there. Yeah. but it, it was time for a new building. Unfortunately, they couldn't get anything done. And uh, it was so narrow in the concourses and everything. Probably. Oh, yeah. I mean, but just, just think, when that building was built, that was what it was. Yeah. And that was state of the art. I thought it was hilarious because I was taking photos of, you know, the jerseys hanging up and everything else. There's And there was a there was a bed sheet draped over a section that said Bossy's Corner or Bossy's Boys. Yeah, sure. And I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, yeah. what? These people are really living in the past. Mike Boss. Yeah, well. <laughs> Nine straight 50 goal years will do that, I guess. I guess, right? I'm like, hey, guys, you guys, there's new guys. They're Tavares, things like that. So, all right, Ray, uh, thank you for doing this again. I appreciate it. We're going to be doing it weekly all year on iTunes, on the Stitcher app, on your phone. And, um, you know, we were number three in Canada sports podcast last week. So, people – Hopefully people like it and check it out, and um, we'll keep banging them away. Yeah, thanks. And, uh, again, if I have any dumb questions at any point, just feel free to tell me that they're dumb. I will not be shy. All right, thanks, Ray. See you, Steve. See you.